Welcome to Job Title, where we dive into exactly that, the story and experience of all kinds of people with all kinds of jobs. This week, I have a conversation with Elisa, a simulated patient educator. Hear about how this unexpected job blends Elisa's long-held passions of medicine and theater. Learn about the importance of communication, self-management, and building relationships. This is a job where Elisa gets to contribute to an element of what goes into preparing medical students to be practicing doctors. This is definitely a job I did not know existed until Elisa. Listen now for a window into this job title. Hello, everyone. This is Heidi Nykamp, your host, and I am joined today by my very first friend from college and such a fun-loving, wonderful individual, Elisa. Heidi, it is so good to see you again. I'm really excited for our conversation. Yes, me too. I'm so happy we're able to sit down virtually and chat a bit about what it is you do. But before we get into that, I'd love to know what kind of jobs did you think you'd have when you were growing up, like what were those jobs you said you wanted to have when you were a kid? Such a good question. Uh, I think my first dream job was to be a Power Ranger because I love the Power love Rangers. Um, that's the reason I like took martial arts classes as a kid. And I thought it would be the coolest thing in the world to like be an actor on Power Rangers and do my own stunts like Tommy Oliver. I wanted to be the actor and the stunt person. So that was my first dream. Sadly, it has not come to fruition yet. It still could, maybe. <laughs> um, and then my second dream job was to be a voice actor because I've always loved cartoons and I thought the idea of going to work in your PJs would be pretty great. Little did I know that work from home life was about to become super prevalent in America today. <laughs> Is, are, is the Power Rangers even on anymore? Do you know? I would certainly hope so, but maybe not. It it was on for a long time. It, it, might it have, had a good stretch in our childhood. Might have fizzled out. <laughs> awesome. I love the creativity and just like the, the commitment to it. Um, so I love what your job title is now. It's so unique and I didn't know what it was or that it even existed until you had it. So would you mind sharing? (laughs) Sorry. I also didn't know that it existed until I got the job. So it was new to me as well. I love that. Yeah. I love that. I feel like that is true for a lot of people. So what is your specific job title and how long have you had that position? Sure. So I am a simulated patient educator. I work, um, at a school of medicine, training actors that come in to be simulated patients for the medical students. And I've been doing this for almost four years. All right. So if we were to dive into that, just like a little bit more, someone asked you, so what does that really mean? Like one to two, three sentences. What do you do as a simulation patient, simulated patient educator? Right. It's, it's a weird job. I feel like I have a very practiced elevator pitch because whenever I tell people my job title, they're like, what the heck is that? <laughs> it's very weird. Um, so I train actors that come in as simulated patients. We have 16 mock exam rooms that it just looks like a doctor's office, but they have cameras in them 
So the medical students come in and have patient encounters and the faculty is watching from another room through the cameras. And after the encounter is over, the students get feedback from both the patient and the faculty on their clinical decision-making, on their communication skills, their empathy, their physical exam skills. Uh, so it, it could be a variety of things. I work with first-year medical students a lot, so teaching them how to take a history for the first time, how to do a physical exam, because they, they have to practice on humans, so I train the humans. Um, but then we also work with you know, residents and fellows that are further along in their medical careers uh, as they practice more nuanced conversations like palliative care conversations. Mm-hmm. How do you tell a mother that her child has cancer. So it could be really nuanced communication skills, or it could just be, how do you do an abdominal exam? Gotcha. So wide variety of students that you're working with. Mm -hmm. Um, Would you say that this is a common thing at all medical schools? I think so. They, okay. There's at least a qualifying exam. All third-year medical students have to go through a simulated patient encounter in order to graduate and go off to their residency. So everyone, all doctors will at least work with simulated patients one time. But okay. I would say even, even smaller medical institutions probably work with SPs, SPs for simulated patients a few times. And any, so our institution is probably mid-sized. So any mid-sized or large medical school will have a a simulated patient program. Okay. Okay. That's so interesting. And obviously there's lots of doctors in our community and they all have had to go through this and like, right. I know people in medical school and yet I had no clue that this was a component of their training. And I'm so glad that it is. It makes a lot of sense. Um, And I'm glad that there are people like you who have the the job to help them get through those simulations and find the actors and all of the things that go into it. So you, you didn't know about this job before you had it. How did you, what was your journey like to get there? Like, what was your background in education? Obviously you didn't study directly for this if you didn't know about it. So where, where did that all begin? Sure. Uh, so I went to school for theater. We met at the university of Evansville. Yeah, purple aces. Yes. I was going to school for directing and acting in theater. Um, and I really enjoyed it. There's also a lot of hard things that come with the theater, you know, and definitely a stereotype of, you know, starving artists, you're not going to make enough money to survive. Uh, You can make a living working in the theater. Absolutely. It just, it has to be your everything. So after college, I worked as an assistant director um, in Oklahoma City for a few years. I moved back home to be closer (laughs) to my family uh, and was continuing to be an assistant director at a few different theaters and enjoying it, but it definitely is an all day, every day kind of job. I would be you know, assistant directing at night. And then during the days I would work in the box office or work as a dramaturg or work in the uh, costume shop. It just depended on the place. So it was, you know, all day and all night during the weeks and then also shows on the weekends. Um, So I was finding that while I loved my jobs, it was hard to have a life outside of work. And I was starting to miss, you know, having a community, seeing Mm -hmm. friends at night, having time off. Um, And it, it kind of just fell into my lap pretty randomly. One of my 
mom's friends is a simulated nurse. So for some of the like emergency medicine cases or the OBGYN cases, they have to have a nurse in the room that Mm -hmm. can Mm -hmm. pretend to administer the medicine or give actual medical findings. Um, And we were just hanging out one day and she asked, I don't know if you're looking for something a little more nine to five, but I work at this medical school and we need someone to come in and train the actors that are simulated patients. I'd never heard of it before. And Mm -hmm. I I still don't know how I got the job because I don't know that I was qualified, but uh, our director was looking for an outside hire. They didn't want to just bring someone up from within the program. They wanted someone Mm -hmm. with a fresh perspective. So I'm very grateful that she took a chance on me because I was young and didn't really know anything, but I like to think that I have enthusiasm and a can-do attitude. So I learned quickly. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Um, yeah. So quite the journey to get to where you are now, like taking yes. the more starving artist traditional route, I guess, with your theater jobs, which mm-hmm. were fulfilling. But like you said, that, that balance of having a life outside of your work, if that's something that you desire, um, makes total sense. And I'm glad you found the job that you have. Me too. Now. That's I awesome. love it. It's been four years and I still love it. All right. So when you are at your job, as a simulated patient educator, how does it start? Like walk me through what some of your typical days might look like or, or week. You, there's probably some variation day to day, but what might that look like for you? So the, the fun part about my job is that it's a little different every day and a little different depending on the season and the simulations that I have coming up. But I would say generally either I'm having an office day or I'm running a simulation. So if I'm having an office day, it's a lot more low key. I'll usually be working from home. So I'm in my PJs on the couch and like your dream as a voice actor, right? Like you got that part. It came true. (laughs) So it's usually, you know, starting with emails, probably having some meetings either with other staff members from our center or with faculty members. Um, And then I could be helping to write the cases for the simulations or creating the schedules, you know, the the run of show for how the simulation will work, Um, casting SPs, it could be um, reviewing SP performance, so watching their videos to see if they are performing the case as trained. And how is their feedback? Are they giving good feedback to the students that is a that is focused on communication, not medical feedback? So it could be reviewing SP performance, um, could be working on presentations or faculty development, and then like meetings. There's always meetings. So those are the work from home days. And then if I have a simulation, those days are very intense. I get all of my steps in on those days because we'll go into the center. I'm usually in two hours before the simulation starts. There's a lot that has to be set up. You know, we're turning a lot of computers on so that our software system can be recording in all the rooms. I'm orienting our event assistants so that they can help record the rooms and, you know, usher people around. Uh, I'm orienting our simulated patients and orienting the students and then watching as the simulation goes on. Um, Because the the SPs are supposed to do the case exactly the same for every student. If they're the test mm, document, mm-hmm. it's a it's a standardized patient. So no matter which round it is, every student gets to see the same patient. Mm-hmm. So often I'll be watching through the cameras just to make sure that the SPs are doing the same performance every time. And then putting out any fires, 
which sometimes happens, you know, if the technology conks out or if learners are late or if a learner starts crying or if an SP goes rogue and says something inappropriate to a student, you have to handle that pretty quickly. Yeah. So those days involve a lot of coffee and a lot of running around. Wow. So there's, they're all going like 16 rooms are all going at the same time. Could be, it could be okay. 16 rooms. It could just be one or two. It depends on how big the group is. Since I work with the first year students, it's a huge group and often right. it's all 16 rooms at once. So I'll orient 16 students and they'll do the case. And as they're in the rooms, I'm already talking to the next group of students so that they can go in as soon as the uh-huh. first group finishes. And I'm already talking to the next group. So we get through probably 80 students in a day, which is a lot. Oh, wow. That yeah. is a lot. And yeah the SPs, the Mm -hmm. standardized patients or simulated patient. Is that the same? Like they're, they're kind of the same. I think it's like an American versus European preference, but simulated or standardized. Yeah. Gotcha. So how do you find your actors? (laughs) Like that's probably like infrequent or like random days or how, as a person who's casting them, how do you find the people to fill that role? Yeah. Um, Our standardized patients come from lots of places. Some of them are actors, which is great because then we know they can act. Um, So if they're working, you know, part-time as actors in film or in stage work, this is something they can do during the day while they're in rehearsals or performances at night. Uh, We also have a lot of retired nurses that come in to be our standardized nurses or graders because they actually have a medical background. They can watch the student encounters and grade their performance in physical exam maneuvers and clinical decision-making. Some of our SPs are just like educators, like teachers. Um, I don't know, they, they come from all over the place. It's sort of a a sometimes job. It's not really part-time because it's not regular. Mm -hmm. It depends on the demographics for the case and how busy that part of the calendar is. But for the SPs, it's a really good sometimes job. I think they Mm -hmm. all really enjoy the work. Oh, that's awesome. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's, It's a very unique thing. And especially to have enough to go through a whole day of the simulations and everything, like I'm sure that's a big component of making sure things run smoothly. Oh yeah. Like they have to be, you know, skilled enough as an actor that they can do a standardized performance up to eight times, but they also have to have a second part of their brain focusing on the feedback that they're going to give the students. And that's probably the hardest part for their job. It's doing the portrayal as trained, but then also focusing on the student performance Mm -hmm. because they're not just actors. They're educators. So we have trained them not just in the case details, but also how to give feedback and what sorts of things to focus on. And having those two parts of the brain working at once can be really challenging. Yeah, no, that that makes a lot of sense. So you said that you would get there like an hour and a half to two hours, maybe before it Mm -hmm. starts. What does that mean for your work hours then like on a at home day versus a simulation day? I probably on a simulation day would work okay, what's a normal day? Eight hours. It probably ends up being a a nine to 10 hour day. Mm -hmm. So it is a little bit longer just with setup and tear down. Um, So the work from home days are usually more like six to seven hours. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that's because I'm working through lunch and just being as efficient as I can. Right. Yeah. 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 Was the hybrid setup like always an option from when you started or did that kind of change? That was a 
Yeah, that was a pandemic byproduct. And I am very grateful. We used to be (laughs) full time in person. And it is so nice not having to wear hard pants every day. (laughs) That is totally fair. Love that. (laughs) When you are at the office, but maybe not at a simulation, like do you have an Mm -hmm. office that is yours or a desk or a place that you call home? I do. I have an office home. I share an office with another SP educator. She is just the dearest woman in the world. Um, She's a middle-aged British woman and she's like an aunt. I love her so much. Um, So we share an office. We're probably in there at the same time, maybe half the time, because if I'm in the office, but not running my own simulation, usually I'll be helping with someone else's. So I Mm -hmm. might be helping her with her simulation or one of our other coworkers. Um, so sometimes sharing an office can be troublesome if we both have meetings or hard mm-hmm. days, but usually it's really nice because we can share candy and gab about our lives. I love that. Some community is good for yes. sure. How many people have the same title as you where you work or what's your team like? We have a team of seven, which I feel like is a good manageable yeah, size. Yeah, that's a great number. Yeah. So we have our director and then four of us do my job and we just divide up the clients amongst us. So like I've got the first year students, my coworker will take the clerkship students. Um, my office mate has all of our high stakes assessments. Um, and then our other coworker does the sensitive exams. And then we have one software specialist that sets up all of the recordings and announcements and builds the schedules. That is a very tough job. Uh, Mm -hmm. And one, yeah. And then one (laughs) office administrator who, you know, runs the calendar and coordinates all of the supplies because we go through a lot of gloves, lots of gloves. I can imagine. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, okay. So you'll have obviously your time where you're working on your own, getting everything ready for the simulations and then time working collaboratively. Um, What kind of skills do you feel like are important in both of those? areas, both independently and when you're working with your team? That is such a good question. Uh, I feel like when I'm doing my independent work, the, the biggest learning curve was just how to juggle all of these simulations that are in different phases of development. So within the same week, I'm working on the simulations happening that week, which involves a certain set of tasks, simulations that are two weeks out, which is a certain set of tasks, and then four to six weeks out. So at the same time, I'm juggling actually running a simulation, casting for the next simulation, and writing the cases and creating the checklists for the ones after that. Ooh, I just whacked my window. Um, (laughs) Really into it. (laughs) Yes, I'm I'm gesturing a lot. I don't know if that comes through on the audio, but I'm using my hands. Um, So trying to juggle things that are in different phases of development was really hard. So having lots of checklists to keep myself on track, like a checklist Mm -hmm. for every single simulation, you know, so that I know, okay, I'm four weeks out. I need to do these things this week. And for this other one, I'm two weeks out. So I need to do these things this week. That helps a lot. Um, So I guess the skills involved are organization and um, self-management because no one tells me what to do really. And my boss is She's so wonderful. She gives us a lot of autonomy. As long as our work is getting done, she doesn't micromanage. So if I can be on top of myself and my schedule, um, she doesn't have to get involved, which is nice. Um, As far as working with the team, it's probably cliche to say, but communication is huge, especially with 
the hybrid working, I don't get to see some of my coworkers for like weeks at a time in person. And if I'm not communicating my needs to the software specialist or my needs to the office administrator, uh, we could have hiccups and problems. So it's trying to be really proactive about communicating. It was easier when I could just pop down the hall and say, right. hey, have we looked at this yet? Um, mm-hmm. But constantly sending emails and chats and text messages mm-hmm. can be hard and there's more miscommunication. So trying to be super clear about what mm-hmm. I need and when, um, which w- it's a skill that I'm still working on because I, I want people to read my mind and know when I need things but I have to be pretty explicit about here's what I need. This is when I need it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we're, we're practicing that skill. Yeah. Yeah. That's a hard skill for me too. Like yeah. being explicit. So on these simulation days, are there, and like you mentioned having to put out fires, like what are some weird things that have happened that you've encountered or had to deal with? So my favorite stories are often learner quotes and I really need to start writing them down because some of them are just hilarious but sometimes the learners are so nervous they say things that they don't mean to say so we had a first year learner this must have been my first week on the job um, that was just doing a neurologic exam with a patient and they were trying to tell them that the, the patient needed to touch their own tongue to the roof of their mouth to demonstrate, you know, functioning of a, a neural pathway or whatever. And you can see where this is going. Oh, no. The student, the student <laughs> oh, was no. so flustered and they said, okay, so I'm going to touch my tongue to the roof of your mouth. And the patient was like, um, not without asking for permission first. <laughs> so sometimes they'll just say really goofy things. Um, and then sometimes if, you know, if we're not communicating about what's happening in the center, we'll get days like I, I walk into one of our suites and I open the door and all of the tables were covered in um, mannequin arms that were attached to IV bags hooked into like those giant orange Gatorade bottles or like the Gatorade what? jugs yeah, yeah. full of like fake blood because <laughs> some students had been practicing, you know, putting in um, uh-huh. like IVs with the mannequin arms, but I had no idea. So I walked in and I was like, what is this plastic crime scene that I just stumbled <laughs> upon? It was very bizarre. Oh my word. That's hilarious. Like you just never know what you're going to yeah. walk into in a medical school, especially. Right. I think the yeah. best part was the Gatorade jug. I was like, it kind of <laughs> tracks that yes, we're a medical institution. And in theory, we should have a lot of money, but they're not wasting the money on us. So we're going to put the fake blood in a Gatorade <laughs> <Yeah>. jug. <laughs> Make do with what you have. Right. <laughs> oh my word. That's hilarious. Um, so you've had this window into like both medicine and education has your perspective on either of those fields kind of changed in the position that you have? I think there's definitely like a a dark underbelly of medical education. I'm sure all institutions are this way. Just once you see how the sausage gets made, Mm -hmm. you're just seeing the truth of like medical school is really hard. Yeah. And um, sometimes faculty can be hard to deal with or just because people are great doctors doesn't necessarily mean they're great educators. Mm, So mm -hmm. it can be challenging sometimes trying to, (laughs) the faculty are all brilliant. Sometimes it's hard 
to explain to them why we're conducting our business certain ways, because uh, they're purely thinking in a medical way and not thinking in an educational way. So a lot of what we're providing is trying to be educationally sound so the students get the best experience. Um, I think what I have learned about medical students is that they are incredibly resilient. I cannot imagine going through medical school. I used to think that I wanted to be a doctor. That was one of my many options back in the day. And the amount of work that they do is just insane. Anyone that's been through medical school probably would agree it's more than any one person should take. And so the fact that anyone makes it all the way through to being a doctor is incredible. They have to be so resilient and perseverant. There's just so much work. So I really admire them uh, mm -hmm. for all the work that they put into it. Yeah, yeah. that's awesome. Um, you have a lot of obviously like really different experiences from being in the theater world to now being in the the world that you're in. Mm -hmm. um, like, what have you drawn on from your different experiences that like go into your outside of work day-to-day -day life? Ooh, that is such a good question. Uh, I feel like both fields have taught me a lot about communication and collaboration. I guess I didn't think that I would go to theater school thinking that I would learn how to have hard conversations or how to do group projects, but that is so much of what theater is. You know, if you're working as a director or a designer, it's all about collaboration and communication. And if you're not, you know, assuming that the other person has everyone's best interest at heart or assuming the best of other people, things can get sticky pretty quickly. So just having a high regard for other people and being willing to listen before speaking can really help a lot of conversations. So I think that was a, a big skill that I learned in the theater was how to communicate and collaborate and bringing that now into this field, it's just getting even more refined since we're training these students how to have sensitive conversations and we're training the actors how to debrief encounters. I bring a lot of those debriefing skills into my personal life. Like if I've had a conflict with someone in my family or one of my friends, I'll use my debriefing tools so that we can talk about it in a way that doesn't make people feel defensive or doesn't feel like a judgment. It's just opening up a conversation where we can discuss something that happened and then hopefully move forward from that. Yeah, that's awesome. Like there's that relational piece that you get to have at your job and then yes. translate it into other relationships too. Do you get to know like your learners or the students? Or that's the same thing, right? The learners and the students. Yeah, same thing. Are we'll kind often of the say same. they're kind of the same. Most of mine are students, but learners is kind of the blanket term since some of them have graduated and are practicing doctors. So learners gotcha. just encompasses everyone who okay. comes into our center. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Do you get to know them as they're going through? Like, do you see them a lot throughout the year? I do, especially, so the first year medical students, that's a huge class. It's probably 150 students. So I recognize some of them. They all definitely recognize me because I see them every week for the entire fall. So mm -hmm. they get to know me really well. And I could probably pick out most of them in a crowd. Um, I get to know the, the smaller clients that I work with really well. So the PA students are a class of 50 and I see them once a month and I get to know them really well, which is great. I, that's one of the most rewarding parts of my job. I feel like all the students come in 
when they start school and they're very skeptical of simulation and they feel like we're trying to trick them and we're trying to fail them. And it's really rewarding to build up those relationships to show them that we are their partners. We want them to succeed. We are trying to help in their education. And so by their fifth or sixth session with us when you know they're coming in and they're like hey Lisa hey it's good to see you again I like your overalls I'm like oh my gosh they're not afraid <laughs> they're not afraid and they like my overalls um, so it's really fun building those relationships and seeing their progression as they learn more and they get more confident and hearing the feedback from the SPs about how they're growing I love seeing that I love seeing the students over the course of several years yeah oh that's awesome and that you get to provide a welcoming environment for them when they might be scared, nervous, say things they don't. Yes, for sure. Especially the first year students. I, it's, it's so random that that was the client that I got when I started the job because it Mm -hmm. it could have been anyone, but I really feel like that was the group for me because I get to put them at ease and, you know, hopefully give them an upbeat environment. And, um, I, I feel like it's a, it's the perfect group for me. Yeah. And that's such a gift to feel like you're in the right group to Mm -hmm. feel like you're providing them with the safety and security (laughs) and helping them grow, which is so important. That's awesome. So, um, are there any other highlights or things that you just really love about your job? Like you like making relationships and seeing the growth of your students. Are are there any other like big highlight takeaways? I, I guess, Okay. Three things. I love my team. We do have a really fantastic team. Most of us are former theater people. So we're, we kind of are on the same wavelength. We're pretty friendly and bubbly. We get the same inside jokes. So it is fun to work with theater folks that are now also in education. We just have a shared vocabulary and it's nice to feel supported. Like if something is going wrong, I know that they have my back and you know, if the faculty is being difficult, I know that our director is going to go to bat for me, which is such a good feeling. So my team is amazing. I love getting to put together our SP appreciation party at the end <gasps> of the year. Just they work so hard for us and, you know, they probably should make more money than they do. So it's really fun to get to, get to put together, you know, a holiday party and we'll bring in food. And this last year we did karaoke and getting to see them in a relaxed social setting is so fun because we, we have friendships with them too. We get to see mm-hmm. them all the time. So just having that time to, to be together as friends is so much fun. That's and, like one of those unexpected parts of the job, right? Like planning the party. Yeah. I mean, those types of appreciations are so important, but aren't necessarily written in a job description. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. I think my third unexpected joy is getting to go to our conference for our international organization. It's the Association of SP Educators. We get to do that every summer. And it's the only time when I don't have to explain my job because we all do the same (laughs) job. So we know, everyone knows what we do. And um, we've gotten to present the last couple of years. And I love putting together a PowerPoint. It feels like professional scrapbooking and it's very fun for me. So I love putting together PowerPoints that are in, you know, in the colors and branding of our institution. And it's, it's getting to do more education. It's getting to share our knowledge, you know, with, with other people that do the same thing so that we can all grow together. Yeah. It's like the professional side of it, but also like digging into your theater roots of being on stage, maybe 
Oh, yes. Those, <laughs> yes, those are my favorite days because the actual simulation day, that's the SP's day. It's their performance mm-hmm. and we're very happy for them. But like the day when I train the SP's or when I'm teaching the faculty about feedback or going to conference and presenting on something that is, it's my time to be an actor, you know, a mm-hmm. couple times a month, I get to be on stage and it is fun. I do enjoy, um, I do enjoy speaking to a crowd. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's like, the perfect whirlwind of things in combination of tasks to like fill your, fill your cup with things that you love. It's a good variety. Yeah. 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 And that's what you want out of a job. Like, Oh yeah. That you spend so much time going to and investing in and it becomes part of your life. So that's awesome. So good things Mm -hmm. about your job compared to maybe some realistic challenges about it. You did talk about a few of them already. I, yes, I mentioned the faculty. They are so brilliant, but there are a lot of them are also juggling being practicing doctors while educating. So sometimes it's just hard to get a hold of them. They might be slow to respond because they're actively saving lives. <laughs> so, you know, getting a hold of them, making sure that we're keeping SP safety at the forefront of our conversations. Sometimes they don't really understand what we do or how we do it. And they kind of take us for granted a little bit. So that that can be hard. We're working on that. We're, we're continuing to build better relationships with the faculty and, and trying to educate them on what human simulation is. We're a relatively young field. I would say human simulation is maybe in its adolescence. We're not, mm. brand, we're not brand new, but we've only been around for 80 years or so. And a lot of the faculty didn't have as robust of a human simulation education when they were coming through school as is available now. So they, they just don't really know all that's available. So sometimes that's challenging. And then I would say the other big one is just last minute changes, which appears in a lot of different ways, like students trying to change their schedule or the faculty trying to change the schedule or SPs canceling shifts because they booked a really big film gig, which is great and we're happy for them. But last minute changes can be really stressful since our software specialist has to change that information in lots of places. And we then have to communicate to everyone that something has changed. So the last minute changes are stressful. Um, And then I guess the big overarching one would be just compensation since we're a rather young field. Medical institutions are not necessarily compensating appropriately for the work that we're doing, which is a battle that I am letting our director fight for us, but it's a tension that we're all aware of that what we're doing right now is not really sustainable. So we're trying to see what we can do to increase our compensation fairly. Mm -hmm. Um, And then just career growth opportunities, which kind of goes hand in hand with compensation. Like if I ever wanted to advance, the only other thing I could do in this field is to be a director of a center, like my boss. And I'm nowhere ready for that. (laughs) Um, But there's not really anything in the middle. So either I stay at this job for the next 15 years and then become a director, or I have to consider another field and a different job. So Mm -hmm. it'll be interesting to see how the field changes in the next couple decades, if there are some more intermediate positions, um, or if this is just how we're going to be structured forever. Yeah. Yeah. It's good to be realistic about all of the things and, and weigh them as it is as it fits into your own life. So good mm-hmm. thing for people, maybe as they consider too, like if this is a field that they want to go into, like you said, it's, it's maybe more up and coming in yeah. certain areas than it has been in the past. 
Um, do you know, is there a major for this? Is this something you can study? There, I think, are two master's programs. Is it? I think it's um, the University of Alabama at Birmingham and is it East Virginia Medical School? They have master's in human simulation. It's not oh, really okay. an, an undergrad degree, but I mean, you could, you could get here through education. You could get here mm-hmm. through theater. You could get here through, you know, actual medical study. Um, so it could, through nursing, it could be from a variety of avenues, but if you wanted a master's in human simulation, I think there's one or two places that offer that. Okay. Gotcha. That, that all makes sense. And like you, you happen to have the right connection. Like mm-hmm. network can be so important when you're finding jobs. So, um, that's just a good reminder that you don't have to have like the particular, very specific niche degree to have mm-hmm. a given job title also. Um, yeah. so any, anything else that you feel like, um, you would give as advice to someone interested in this career path? Sure. I, well, first of all, I would just say that it's a lot of fun. I know we just talked about money and that's not always the most fun, but this job really is very special working with people. I think that's been a theme that we keep bringing up. It is so rewarding working with our staff, working with the SPs, working with the students. That's my favorite part. It's really the perfect blend of being creative, but also having structure. So if you are a creative person, but like some daily structure, this really is the perfect fit. Um, But, you know, if you're trying to put four kids through college, you might need a partner that has a very good job or maybe look somewhere else. But the people are the best part of it for sure. It's a really great way to work in medicine without being a doctor. And if you're an actor, it's a great sometimes job just as supplementary income. It's a and it's very fulfilling. All of our actors mentioned that of all their part time gig working. This is one of their favorite jobs because they get to help these students. Like it, it feels fulfilling and important. You're watching these students become better doctors and better communicators. So it feels really vital to the future of healthcare to do this work, which is always nice to, to mm-hmm. feel like you're making a difference. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing all about your job title as a simulated patient educator. Um, before I let you go, is there one piece of life advice that is your favorite that you've received over the years that you'd like to share with our listeners. I've been noodling on this because I couldn't think of one right away, but the advice that came to mind, and it is, it's related to job work. um, I think that as people are going through college or considering a degree or even changing careers, number one, that is super normal to change careers or change majors or not to know what you're going to do. That's very normal. But as you're considering what you want to do with your time, finding something that is sort of the cross-section of things that you love, things that you're good at, and things that have a positive impact in the world. So for me, when I was applying to colleges, I was applying to a batch of theater schools and a batch of medical schools. And I ended up going with theater school. And it is such a cool act of providence that I have wound up in a career that combines both of those things that I get to do theater and medicine. Um, But it's a way that I get to do something that I love, something I enjoy, um, something that I'm good at. You know, you you don't want to work in a job that you're not good at. But then I'm also seeing how we are making our city a better place. We're making our doctors better communicators. So it's all three of those factors combined. I think that's how you can find the most fulfilling career for you. 
I think that's a beautiful piece of advice. (laughs) Thank you for sharing that. I love that for myself in the future, looking for a job as well. So thank you for um, taking the time and having this conversation with me. Of course, it was so good to chat with you. All right, we'll talk soon. (laughs) Woohoo! Thanks again for joining me this week. Being able to share your stories is what I love. We all have different journeys to get where we are today. And I especially love how Elisa's story blended these thoughts of being a doctor or being in theater that she had way back when applying for colleges into this fit that she has today that feels fulfilling. And it's so important to just remember how your network can have these opportunities, whether it's family, friends, or professionals, and you just need to be open to it sometimes. Her advice also to strive for something where the three pieces of finding something you love, something that you are good at, and that contributes positively is such a beautiful perspective to have. So if you love your job and would like to share more about it, send me an email at Heidi at jobtitlepodcast.com or head to jobtitlepodcast.com for more information. Thanks again. Until next time.